Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in San Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Emmanuel Iduma is the author of I Am Still With You, A Reckoning with Silence, Inheritance, and History. Emmanuel was born and raised in Nigeria, where he trained as a lawyer. He is the author of A Stranger's Pose, a travel memoir, and The Sound of Things to Come, a novel. He is a recipient of a Wyndham Campbell Prize for Literature and has contributed nonfiction and art criticism to Granta, the New York Review of Books, Aperture, N Plus One, Art Forum, among other places. He lives in Lagos. And by the way, was his hotel room was delayed. So we started this podcast with him in a hotel lobby, which you'll hear was quite loud. 
Actually, maybe I deleted it. And then we moved upstairs to his room uh, where he finished the podcast. So when we joke around about that, that is what we are talking about. Welcome, Emmanuel. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss I Am Still With You, A Reckoning with Silence, Inheritance, and History. Thank you so much, Zeb. It's nice to be here. Nice to have you. Can you please tell listeners what your book is about? Thank you. So I Am Still With You, which is A Reckoning with Silence, Inheritance in History is a book that is based on the Nigerian civil war that happened between 1967 and 1970. After the war, my uncle, who I was named after, um, eventually didn't come back. And so in the first stance, the book is an attempt to figure out what happened to my uncle. But it's also a book where I write about my family and um, my life in, as an in, in, in the way in which it intersects with Nigerian history and Nigerian and the current pol- Nigerian political climate. Yeah. So you've had such an interesting background. You lived in New York for seven years. You're born in, you were born in Nigeria, came to New York for seven years, which must have been like, what is that even like for you to leave where you're born? Like, it's, it's crazy enough here for me to navigate. I've lived here my whole life. You came for your art criticism degree. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And then decided to pack everything up and leave right before the pandemic, basically. And, and <laughs> um, talk about the, that sort of juxtaposition of the two sort of cultures and what it was like when you were here. I think that, you know, it was only in retrospect that I began to realize how shocked I was by New York in the first place. I mean, my first, I would say, two years or three years even were really just years in which I was trying to survive (laughs) on, on all kinds of levels, you know, because New York is not just an expensive city, but it's also an intense city. So you have to always be on top of things, really, in order to make it work. So the first thing that really happened for me was that I, I, I realized that I was away from home, you know, and all the things that are taken for granted in Nigeria, you know, access to family, access to a couch you can sleep on, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. We're suddenly gone. Um, but also that it was a completely different life from the one I had lived in Nigeria. I'd lived, I mean, in Nigeria, I, tra- I trained as a lawyer. And so my education up to when I came to New York or by the time I came to New York was very, you know, illegal in that sense. And coming to New York and having to do a program in which I had to see a lot of exhibitions, write about them, think about philosophy or literature or, you know, art history, all of those fields in a way that I'd never done was actually quite intense in a good way, of course, you know, intellectually for sure, stimulating, but also demanding. And a time came, you know, in, in my case, um, a time comes really when people just have to ask themselves, do I want to commit to New York? I feel like it has happened for many people, even Americans. Yes. Um, do I want to commit to New York for the long term? Or do I feel that, you know, I want to be elsewhere? And for me, that was a very easy decision to make because, you know, I wanted to be close to my family. I felt that Nigeria had more for me, both intellectually and culturally, than New York or America or any other part of America. This was what prompted my leaving, and it was quite fortuitous because this was just, you know, three months before the lockdown. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I studied a lot of art history in college, I have to say, and spent (laughs) many, many hours. They had this whole gallery of like hundreds of images of different pieces of art. And we had to memorize like the name, the artist, the date and where it was from. And then we were like, had to regurgitate all that. And I just spent hours. Yeah. People were there all night, just like, and I would like cover it up. And then, <laughs> anyway, this is my art history. I didn't have I didn't have that experience. No, oh my that gosh. wasn't. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was tough. That was like in my intro class. It got better after that, but but still. Yeah. What what type of art are you most interested in, or what 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 even prompted you? I know we're going to talk about the book, but I'm just ha- happen to be very curious about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What yeah, type yeah. of art brought you here, and like, what are you most interested in on that front? I had, before coming to New York, had an experience, I mean, uh, for a few years of traveling with photographers who would travel from one part of the African continent to the other by road. And that was really how I got into all of this, really, into art, a visual art, because I would have to write about being on the road. And I just became quite interested in the idea of taking photographs or writing about photographs as they were being taken. And so photography is the is the language that I feel like I, I have most spoken or written about, in a sense. I mean, of course, I've also written about other forms of art, but I, I feel like if I would look at the writing that I've done in the past 10 years, most of it would really be around photography, really. Yeah. I love photography. <laughs> yeah. I used to do photography. I used to study photography. I love going to photography exhibits. And speaking yeah. of photography, you have these amazing photos in here. Wait, hold on. Let me find one. Although I don't mm-hmm. know why. I don't know why I'm going to hold it up when we're on a podcast, but um, <laughs> or why I need to show you when you're the one who put it in here. But anyway, <laughs> at first, I mean, what an okay. So for people listening. I won't even describe it. It's just a really beautiful picture of mm-hmm. men in the military facility sort of training for the army, right, in, in Nigeria yes. back in the day. Yes. And this is part of the story of your family's history and how you were uncovering everything and wondering what it was like for people in your family, uncovering all the all the things you were curious about. And as you write about it, as you mentioned earlier, you talk about these personal things about your own childhood. And one thing I particularly responded to is your homesickness at boarding school. I have a son at boarding school who's been there for oh, several uh, years. Yeah. And, um, you know, he was he was quite sad at the beginning. He's gotten older now, obviously, as, as we all do. But that homesickness, you know, it just broke my heart. You know, I was like, come home, come on, you know, and, and like the worst. But you also, you know, you lost your mom at such a young age. And I'm so sorry about that. And you write about that beautifully when you were four years old and what it was like to sort of carry that loss around with you. Mm. Can you talk about your most painful memories here now that we've known each other for 10 minutes? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I think I would... The, the writing about boarding school was such a clarifying thing for me uh, because I was writing about that in the context of, you know, faking this illness while I was in boarding yes. school, right? Nice job. And it's, it's, so, it's, it's quite, <laughs> yeah, it's quite vivid, right, for me yes. even now when I just sort of had this strong sense that I wanted to be anywhere else, especially yeah. I wanted to be home, but boarding school, right? And would start hitting my head on this, like, quite, quite quite intense actually hitting my head <laughs> against like the the goalpost and I would develop a headache oh, and then oh go to gosh. the sick as they call it the sick bay and then get like a permission and for some reason the the, the nurse the nurse on duty believed me and, and wrote like a 
a prescription for me and I took it to the administrative building and got um, an exit to go home. And when I got home, of course, my parents immediately <laughs> said, you just, just say you wanted to come home because Aww. clearly I wasn't ill, right? But the sense, I mean, I think like, I, I, I don't know how to talk about the most painful memory I've had, but <laughs> I, I do think that homesickness or the feeling of being away, I feel like it's a very big thing or has been a big thing for my writing. How do I write about that acute sense of being elsewhere, being in a place other than where you feel like you belong? And it, it's, it's of course, you know, for someone like me who migrated voluntarily, it's not as acute or as painful as someone who is looking for papers or, you know, caught between, you know, say two countries because they don't have the right papers to move. You know, recently I've been speaking to friends, people who I've known for years, but just didn't know that for many years, some of them 15 years lived, you know, without the right papers in America. And I just found it so fascinating. But my experience isn't as acute as that. Yet there was always a sense or there, there has always been a sense when I'm away, especially when I was in New York and, you know, when I was growing up and being in boarding school that I'm longing for home. And of course, as we know, home is not just a fiscal location. It's a series of experiences, including, you know, having parents and you know, where you keep things, how your day starts, all of those things is what forms home. And being away from that always felt quite acute for me. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help. And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. 
There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. And how did you process the loss of your mom back at that mm. time? Do you remember all of that? I know you wrote about it a little, but... Mm. No, I mean, there was no, I mean, it's, well, the, first of all, that the processing of it's really, I think, in my adulthood has come with writing this book. You know, for anyone who has lost a parent at such an early age, it's a very confusing thing, right? Because you don't even recognize that there is a part of you that is lost, so to speak, until you're old enough to have the language for that loss, right? And so I don't think that I... Growing up, it was immediately apparent to me in the way it is now, you know, now that I'm, you know, a parent myself, right, that my own, my own childhood was had ruptured in that way, so to speak. But one of the incredible things that helped me and certainly helped my siblings was that, you know, my, my, my stepmother is just, you know, an incredible person. So we grew up without in in that immediate sense of having a maternal presence without feeling that loss and yet of course as one has gotten older you know you begin to think about what if and what could have been and all of that and so that processing is still happening in fact writing the book i didn't think that i'll even address it headlong right until it became clear that if I was going to write about my father's passing, I had to also deal with what's the kind of griefs that my father would have carried, you know, within himself, including the loss of his brothers. And then, of course, you know, my, his wife, my mother. Um, yeah, so so I, I, I still, you know, I, I don't necessarily think of it as something that has been processed as much as something that, you know, it's, it's the fact of my life and I'm understanding it better as I've gotten older. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you weave in your story with all of this Nigerian history, of course. I mm. feel like, have you read Zane Asher's book, Where the Children Take Us? Do you know her? I know of that book and I know her, um, you know, yeah, but I, I haven't read it. Yeah, but I know that book and I know her, yes. Okay. Well, I feel like I learned a lot about Nigerian history first from her. Okay. <laughs> and so it was very fresh in my mind because I probably read that within the last year. And okay. this, of course, is a different lens through which to view some of some some of the same sort of conflicts that she wrote about with her family and how they mm. had experienced. So when you've done all your digging on the on the war and everything that's happened and your family's involvement in it, like what are some of the things you you take away or when you think about writing it? Like, what are the pieces of it that you're like, this, it, it's really important that everybody knows this? Mm, that it takes, it, it, it certainly takes many decades for people to understand what happened, right, in the past, especially with something as as traumatic, as definitive um, for Nigerian history as the Nigerian Civil War. I feel that sometimes we have the urge, which has been the case for Nigeria, to move on and mm -hmm. to find ways to keep going, that in such a hurry to move on, people, you know, or the nation in the collective sense, move past very quickly what should be dealt with. And for me, in the research and in the thinking around the war, I just realized that there were so many things that were obviously a hang-up or a hangover from the war that had not been addressed in a direct sense. 
such as, for instance, you know, what happened, what are, what, where are the records of people who fought during the war, especially on the side that lost, which is the side that my family was part of, right? So if there were records that had been kept of men who fought during the war, perhaps it would have been easier to figure out, you know, what happened to my uncle. And just that very basic, even bureaucratic um, thing of, this is the list of people who fought at this front or at this particular location is absent um, as far as I know, or, you know, as far as I could discover in my writing. And so that's one thing. So the past is never really finished in, 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 any, in any sense, especially for the generation of people who were born after. Um, for me, because my, my name is so, it's part of that history, right? And it's not even a very, it's not a traumatic name, right? It's, it's just a simple name, Emmanuel, but this is the name or one of the names of my uncle. I feel, I felt in writing the book that there was some kind of personal uncovering that had to be done. Why do I have this name? Or especially, what does this name now mean to me in light of the fact of the previous bearer of the name? You know, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that's that. It doesn't matter. It was interesting to hear. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I do like how at the end of the book, you you explain it to us and, you know, what you uncover then, you know, maybe things you have yeah. Uh, so that was great. I feel like dreams play a big part in this book. You reference many dreams mm-hmm. throughout. Tell me about the importance of dreams in your culture, your life, yourself. Any good dreams lately? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, this is great because I think you're the first person that's actually pointing that out. Nobody has asked me questions about. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd always been fascinated by dreams. You know, in the previous book I did, that was even more you know, more of a motif. But for me, dreams are quite, just as what they are, they are quite fascinating to me on a conceptual level, right? So dreams are these interesting experiences where you are neither in the past or in the present, right? Or even in the future, you're in this state of consciousness or semi-consciousness, however you want to define it, where things, um, where chronology is not even a question, right? So you can be in in China, in one scene of a dream, and you can be in, in Lagos in another scene of the dream, and you can cross, you know, and you can know what people are thinking even even without them speaking. So it's this, it's always been this place of, or for me, it's always been this I, um, this place really of, of great narrative, so to speak, um, when I think of dreams. For this book, I, I was not as, I wasn't, I hoped, I hope that I wasn't too obvious with my, <laughs> with my interest in dreams. But one of the first things that was said to me in relation to my uncle was that, you know, he had been, you know, the oldest member of the family who would automatically in our culture be, be the head of the family, of the extended large family kept having these recurring dreams where my uncle would appear to him. And for them, that immediately signaled that his spirit was not, um, you know, at rest. And so they had to perform a, um, a ritual that would appease him, so to speak. And, and, and this is not something that people who believe in it um, take for granted. It's not... It's not, um, you know, it's not a joke, right? You once, once that kind of thing happens, you go to the the ritual. It's and and so that's even for them how they they knew or felt that he had actually died. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if a person is not dead, they wouldn't appear in that kind of, in that recurring way. But also I, 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 I began to have dreams about my father once he passed, you know, not so much lately, but in the, in the first year I would have all this. I think it was more of a nightmare, really. It was just the, the, the strange um, feeling of loss, right, where you want to claim someone or have them return to life. Um, and the only way you can access that is, you know, is by by dreaming about them or willing yourself to imagine them in, in a dream state. But all in all, I think that what what dreams, how I think about dreams in relation to the book now is just how they allow us to access um, parts of ourselves that are not visible to us. I mean, of course, there are people who believe that dreams are foreshadowings of what is to come or you know if you have a terrible dream then something bad is about to happen but i don't think about it that way mostly i think of my dreaming as a way to access what is otherwise unavailable to me and this is not even a um, i hope it's not a psychoanalytical in a psychological sense <laughs> um, <laughs> i think it's just the fact of dreaming that for me when uh, when now i have a dream about my father you know sometimes especially now after five years it's quite benign it's just something that we maybe we're somewhere together and all that you know and, and it's actually at this point something nice you know because mm-hmm. you can see that person again you can have some kind of experience with them that's oh, and and many times when i'm having the dream i know this person is actually not alive <laughs> and so it's this you know fascinating thing to me that i i i never quite yeah it's, it's difficult to talk about because dreams are just always fascinating you you never know what state you are in when you're dreaming yeah it's true I mean, you think yeah. t- you'd think we would all talk about it all the time. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. can you believe what just happened last night? Like, I had yeah. this crazy dream last night where like Tom Cruise went crazy, and we all had to like wrangle. Oh him wow! And, like he was, and I was like, when's the last time I even thought about Tom Cruise? What on earth was he in my dream? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, whatever. It's just crazy. Um, but I believe too. I mean, sometimes you know, my grandmother will come say hi and I wake up and I feel like I've just been given like a warm hug, you know, like mm-hmm. it's such a nice, yeah. it's such a nice visit. Yeah. It if it's my imagination or a spirit or whatever it is, it's yeah. nice. It's a nice feeling. It's, yeah. I believe it's mostly our imagination memories. Yeah. But who knows? You never know. Yeah. Life is crazy. <laughs> Humans are weird. Yeah. You know? Who knows what's out there? All right. Well, Emmanuel, thank you. Thank you for the time. Um, thanks for this thank little you. Thank hotel, you. hotel visit we had here. And uh, I hope you have a nice trip wherever you are. And Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for your time. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Zibi. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. My right. Take thank care. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. 
jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.